in the locker room with Wolf and Starks on Fox Sports Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. <clears throat> Power hour number two coming at you right now. We are pleasantly surprised and happy <laughs> to have a new feature on this show. And that feature is the tales, the very, very wise tales and experiences in life, life uh, wanderings of one Mr. Craig Wolfley. That's right. Our very own Wolf has a podcast. And uh, Wesley, give me a little bit more about the details here. Give me the deets. Yeah. So it's it's basically a storyteller's podcast, if you will, with our with our guy, Craig Wolfley. And anyone who's heard Wolf tell a story before, you know, they know he's got a knack for this kind of thing. Right. We all we all know the good storytellers in our lives. We all know the people that take 20 minutes to tell a 90 second story. Right. Well, Wolf's in the latter or the former part of me. He's a good storyteller. He's got some great stories. You know, you guys get into a lot of them here, but Max, we thought it would be fun, and, you know, Reagan, who's our, our, our boss on the Steelers side of things, the content director for the Steelers, um, just to have a kind of open-ended storytelling-type podcast with Wolf. It's called The Wolfcast. Pretty simple, right? You can get it wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, you know, all that good stuff. Um, wherever you get your podcast, uh, just The Wolfcast. And this was a, a pretty cool story, I thought, here of – you know, Wolf, uh, it's just a, it's what, about an 11, 12 minute story here of Wolf talking about, you know, when preparation meets opportunity. <laughs> and so here is uh, one of our latest stories from the Wolfcast. You found the Wolfcast on Steelers Nation Radio and Steelers.com. Defensive players are smart. Yes, begrudgingly, I'll admit it. Okay, just speaking in general terms here, most of them like to trash talk. You know, then they're going to come out and they're going to attack like Genghis Khan with his hair on fire. And they love it. Believe you me, they love it whenever one of their nefarious blitz schemes hits home with a team meeting at the quarterback. And when it does, ooh, baby, you're not going to hear the end of it for the rest of the game. And if it happened to be in a game with, a, say, a division rival, well, you'd probably hear about it in a rematch if they dropped a sack on your watch if it was in the first go-round of the year. The Browns had some pretty hot rushers back in the day. You know, Clay Matthews, Chip Banks, Reggie Camp, the ever-sneaky Bobby Golick, former Pitt star basketball player turned football player Sam Clancy, and certainly you can't overlook the great Carl Harrison, who had the best spin move this side of Dwight Freeney before anyone ever heard of Dwight Freeney, and that's mainly because Dwight was only five years old or so at the time. So, anyhow, what really caught me by surprise in a game with the Cleveland Browns this time around was the patience by which the Browns went about their business on this day. Normally, the defense comes after you hard and fast, man. They're going to they're gonna fastball you from the get-go. They're going to throw their best at you and get going, right? But no, that's not the way it went out this day. Sure, there were some defensive coordinators who were more patient, willing to let things play out more, and then they'd set you up before trying to drop a bomb on you. But for the most part, it was usually a Katie bar the door attack mode coming out of the locker room. Meaning it was on, like a furious vintage Mike Tyson first-round knockout in his heyday. So in the week run-up to this game, I had been, per usual, watching an enormous amount of film on the Brownies. You know, getting into the theater of the mind. You know, it's a huge part of pro ball. You simply can't succeed at this level if you don't put the necessary time into film study. Now, part of that study is to familiarize yourself with the opponent's tendencies and peculiarities, what their go-to rush is, and who's 
involved personnel wise. And then you have basic pass. Uh, you have basic pass pro rules to be able to pick up the various stunts and blitzes of an opponent. This was how it worked. The twist stunts that happened right away were handled in a zone concept. Twists that were delayed were handled man on man. No passing off a rusher like on the quick twists. See, you got to have a plan. You got to work the plan, and you got to stick with the plan. And hopefully, that plan comes together. Just like one of my favorite television shows back in the 80s. You know, the A-Team starring George Papard as Hannibal and Mr. T as B.A. Baracus. I love that. The show always had that poignant moment where a grinning Papard would look into the camera and say, I love when a plan comes together. Over and over again, I kept studying the opponent's schemes and the alarming rate at which the Browns, they'd be running that banging me game and get home with it. And if they didn't get the sack, the fender bender that the guy playing my position and the other teams I was watching would get destroyed. So it shouldn't surprise you when I tell you that a high level of anxiety started building early in the prep week, along with a very conscious notation to prepare for this, this particular stunt. Also to be concerned with, over and above the lethal human landmines awaiting me, was the individual characteristics and preferences of the players that I knew I'd be locking horns with. For instance, nose tackle Bobby Golick. Now, he's shorter in stature than, say, a Carl Harrison or certainly Sam Clancy, but he had a wrestling background. This dude had great body balance with a real solid base. He would lock up with you and try to off-balance you, try to get on your edge rather than, try, than coming down the middle of you. And he was a good hand fighter. He was always trying to get an inside hand position. At the other end of the spectrum was defensive end Carl Harrison. He of the pre-Feeney spin technique. He'd throw an uppercut and then try to lift or uproot you and try to get his hip alongside yours like a judoka, you know, a judo student. You know, they, they're very good at throwing those hip throws, like Ogashi. All right, so you got to get that hip along there and you uproot him and boom, you throw him. Well, after getting you to overplay his uprooting uppercut, he'd spin and you'd be left swatting at air, wondering where the heck he went. If you, didn't, if you didn't punch his hip with your free hand, it was Sac City, to be sure. Harrison had the uproot spin technique down pat, and he had such a tight spin, you were in trouble if he got that inside leverage. As we used to say back in the day, this dude could spin in a three-quart bucket. Game day in old Cleveland Municipal Stadium which otherwise was known as the mistake on the lake, and the predecessor to the present-day Cleveland Browns Stadium, suitably dubbed the Factory of Sadness, was a typical unsunny day in Cleveland. I've played in Cleveland during my career at least a dozen times, and when you add another nearly two dozen trips as a broadcaster, I can count on one hand the number of sunny days we've ever had on a game day. Schmutzy was the typical weather forecast that we seemed to play in. Joe DiNardo, the old beloved Pittsburgh TV weatherman, would call it partly cloudy. The sky was alternately dark and gray on this day with periods of rain, making the turf nice and muddy. You know, just a regular Cleveland-type day, if you will. Now, while watching a lot of film, the stunt that emerged from the Brown scouting report was a delayed twist stunt, what we used to call me game. With the defensive end going up the field, he'd plan on his outside foot and go hard inside at a 90-degree angle to try to earhole the guard on that side, which, of course, would be me in this case. And that was their favorite pass rush. That was their go-to. The defensive end would try to literally try to T-bone me, and to do that, it was all about the setup, which was in the purview of the defensive tackle playing over me. Now, the key to this twist stunt was in identifying what the defensive tackle rushing me was doing. If he just bull rushed me, you know, trying to run down the middle of me, that was telling me there's no stunt coming. 
Gadzooks, that's easy. That's like hitting the easy button. That was why he did all those squats with manhole cover-sized weights stacked on a barbell in the offseason. Get your squat monster on, take on that bull rush, and use all that ham hock strength you built up in the offseason to shut down the rusher. You know, stuff him dead in his tracks. But if he started to shake, rattle, and roll, or dosy do which <laughs> meaning you know, he's throwing head fakes, he's throwing shoulder fakes, he's trying to dead leg you, you know, throwing a hesitation step type rush just prior to contact, I knew he was just setting me up for a kill shot. Him trying to occupy me without coming into contact was the trigger that told me that the dastardly, delayed, banging freaking me game was imminent. And I don't want to say that twice. And if it hit home, I was in danger of being at the point of attack at the very least, or, depending on the offensive tackle playing next to me, about to be separated from some brain cells for a period of time <laughs> because the defensive end screaming in towards my blind side was humming, hostile, and full of bad vibes and intentions. And so it was. On every obvious pass rush situation in the first half, I was on a DEFCON 5 alert status. You betcha. I was determined not to end up like a hood ornament or, or be featured on the 1985 Cleveland Browns pass rush reel. Look, getting caught blindsided by someone at a full gallop that was anywhere from 275 to 300 pounds, well, believe you me, that was going to hurt a lot. But even more so, giving up a sack to the Clevelandites and having to face Chuck Knoll chin-to-chin in a post-sack sideline soiree was even a more daunting thought than getting concussed. After all, a concussion is nothing more than a party in your head for a little while. And don't hit me with being insensitive about concussions. They're my concussions. You're free to describe your own in your own way. And so it was, all through the first half, pass rush by pass rush, I kept waiting for the banging me game to come at me. With every rush that it didn't come, I knew it had to be the next rush that they'd throw it at me then. Yet, series by series, play by play, quarter by quarter, no go. It was driving me crazy. Frustrating, really, because the stunt was so potentially injurious that the built-up anxiety and expectations that I'd gone into the game with was kind of gurgling within me. So halftime came and went. We trooped down the tunnel from Cleveland's visiting locker room, which was nothing more than an oversized closet. Oh, my goodness. And actually, it was designed for a baseball team as the Cleveland Stadium was a dual-purpose football-baseball stadium back in the day. As I was standing in that tunnel, waiting to climb the couple of steps out of the dugout, I remember an unpleasant smell wafted up to my nostrils. <laughs> Apparently, when the baseball players were in need of relieving themselves, they didn't bother walking all the way to the locker room. It seems the tunnel we were standing in sufficed. Now, after hitting the field, I made my way across the visiting team sidelines bench area to get the blood flowing for the second half. I was acutely aware that the Browns hadn't come at me with their version of the infamous banging me game. Now, I smelled a rat, to be sure. I kept reminding myself of the top trigger keys to the Browns blitz game. Sure enough, right out of the gate, on the first obvious third-down passing situation that we ran into, in the first drive of the second half, oh, here it comes. The defensive tackle over me, unlike the first half pass rushes, started giving me the old hypnotic eye. He came at me using a head fake, a body fake, a non-rhythmic pass rush that resembled a, a cobra, giving its prey a hypnotic stare before striking. Oh, yeah, look out, because the bomb was about to drop on yours truly. Now, the whole week of preparation came together in a nano instant. All the film watching, all the mental gymnastics I'd done, having my head stuck in the playbook all week long made what happened next possible. As soon as I identified the rush, I quickly gave ground to assess what the tackle next to me was doing. 
Pete Rostowski, a converted defensive lineman who made the jump to offensive tackle, was locked in mortal combat with a heat-seeking, coming-at-my-blindside, human missile wearing Browns colors. Now, I had a choice, give even more ground and come behind Pete and pick up the defensive tackle over me, who would be the trailer on a twist stunt, or we would exchange roles and I would take Pete's man and he would take mine. Now, according to Pass Pro rules, because it was a delayed stunt, it should have been staying man-to-man. But because I was so jacked and so tuned into the banging me game coming at me, I broke the rules. So pent up with aggression from a week's worth of watching film and fending off teammates trying to emulate the blindside shots that the Browns were trying to hit me with, I didn't wait, baby. I turned, I exploded, and like a heat-seeking missile my own self, I speared that defensive end as he tried to crash my blindside. (laughs) I kid you not. I drilled the dude headfirst to the midsection, or more likely the groin area, but I will tell you this. It was a wicked shot. We went down into a huge pile of humanity with arms and legs all tangled up and bodies stacking up like a bunch of cars would after a fender bender in the Fort Pitt tunnels. <laughs> I was ecstatic, man. I jumped to my feet with testosterone and adrenaline pumping through my veins, mixing together, creating a potent mixture of ferocity and intensity that surprised even me. I stood triumphantly over the pile that contained the guy that wanted to T-bone me. He lay at my feet, clutching his recently speared abdominal groin area, obviously in pain. I was half out of my mind, and when I pointed at him, I screamed, I've been waiting for you all game long. My opponent just groaned and rolled over. (laughs) Wait for the traders to come out and attend to him. I continued to blather away at the now not-feeling-too-well defensive end, who just moments before was ready to play rock'em, sock'em robots with my head. Now, it's not often you get to turn the tables on an opponent like that. And apparently, I was in the midst of having an out-of-body experience, and I couldn't seem to zip my big yapper and go back to the huddle. So Pete Rostowski's walking by me on his way back to the huddle. He quizzically looked at me as if I had three heads. I wasn't one to trash talk. Everybody knew that. And I think Pete was concerned I'd lost my marbles. Mike Webster was laughing. Tunch Ilkin, normally the trash talker of the offensive line, started laughing as I continued to shoot my bazoo off. Yeah, the whole week of watching film, taking notes, studying the scouting report, and getting extra reps on the practice field while doing the necessary mental gymnastics at night made the whole week worthwhile at this moment. (laughs) I love when a plan comes together. Man, look at that. Look at that. He can't can't contain himself. (laughs) I can to this day remember that moment in 1985 (laughs) <laughs> and came, crashed, and I started, after I got up, after the wreck was over, it started screaming. <laughs> the look on Tunch's face, on Pete Rostowski's face, because I was, I don't, who was the trash talk? Oh, Marquise Pouncey, obviously, for you. I was not Pouncey and, and Willie Cologne. Okay. And Willie Cologne. Right. Willie brought, really brought the attitude every single time. Well, I will tell you, I could have matched them in that one moment, that one moment in time when I lost my head. It was, <laughs> it was funny. You had to be there. Yeah, I could tell. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, you took us there, and I think that, that that's what's awesome about that, man. It was, it was great listening to it because, like I said, you know that 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 that's the out of body experience that a lot of football players go with, right? I mean, you know, it happens. You know, now, you I'm know not it. normally like this. You know, <laughs> yeah. you bla- you black. We I call it blacking out, man. You black out every once in a while, <laughs> and you're just like, listen, I'm not responsible for anything that I say or do um, in the next thirty to forty five seconds. So just uh, just deal with it. <laughs> 
That's you know the funny thing <laughs> is, what it is it's what you said. You black out. You do. You just you kind of redline. You 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 just fade to black or whatever, and you're just going like crazy. And then all of a sudden, you become conscious of what you just did. And you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> well. Um, yeah, it's like ooh. Um, <laughs> I know so you. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. You know. The, oh, I know exactly. I know exactly what you're talking that about. Occurs oh. in the trenches like that is like off the charts. Yeah, no. I mean, it's one of those where you get up, you 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 want you want to flex, you want you want to make sure that the opponent knows exactly who you are, even though the opponent could care less at that moment. No. He's like, listen, he's like, listen, dude, can you uh can you, can you get off my neck for like two seconds? That'd be great. I I want to get up to go to the next play, and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, sorry about sorry that. about forgot, that. I'm too forgot, busy but, howling at the moon. My 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 bad, but my bad. I'm sorry. I was. I was having a T-Rex Jurassic Park moment. I wanted to put my I wanted to put my cleat on your face mask uh, for a second and and scream and and hit my chest like a gorilla. Um. <laughs> oh yes, you are exactly correct because it is. Yeah, exactly. That's what we play the game for. You know, I mean those those moments, the excitement, the the joy, the the highs, the lows, everything in between. That's what the game encompasses. The adrenaline. The, the adrenaline. Pure yes. adrenaline that you are chasing in that moment. And that that's that that's where it really comes from. It comes from those because we're always looking to pursue excellence, right? Right. I mean, yeah. that's that's why you play competitive sports. It's the pursuit of excellence and the ability not to continually try over and over and over again to break the cycle of insanity <laughs> and get that moment of clarity and of victory. So when you get it, like you said, you know, after you've gotten ear hold seven times in practice <laughs> trying to see this, and then you go to the game, it's the very first time they're about to pull it, and it's almost like you go into ne- a Neo-like matrix, right? Yep. When, when, when Agent Smith starts shooting all those bullets at him, and he just starts whoop, 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 and just start, start, starts dodging all of it, that's how you feel. And it's like, I have, I have beat the matrix, right? Agent Smith is not going to hit me. And... You you have no, there's nothing but that primal urge to expound whatever it is in that moment. Trust me, I've heard guys that you would think they're speaking in tongues or whatever. Like, what the heck is going on with him? What's the, yes. And then he'll be like, "All right, guys, okay, what's the next play?" You're like, "You didn't realize that? Like, you just Will Ferrell us here uh, from old school." <laughs> you know, just went up against a raging Cajun and gave a entire soliloquy. You remember not one word of it? Okay, all right, cool. Yep, I know that we have a bipolar person, and I'm happy with it. <laughs> yeah, the whole point was I I waited on that 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 twist stunt for the entire first half. I mean, you know, you talk about you know what it is. You know, a guy's got a specific move or a specific stunt, and you wait on it because you know when you're well prepared. Okay, that's the one that can get me. I got to make sure that I'm aware of it. And you, you, you expect them to come out and throw it at you in the first few times because in the initial start of the game, that you know, most guys like to come at you with their best move. But to wait till the second half was nefarious, and it, your anxiety just keeps ramping up with each you know third down passing situation, with each you know passing situation period. It ramps up because your anxiety levels go up because you, you're thinking they're going to come with it now. Now they're going to come with it. You know, the way it is on the field because you don't think in peaceful tones like this. You know, your mind's going 100 miles an hour. You know, I mean, it's it's loaded with adrenaline 
and, 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 and coffee and everything else, right? I mean, so you're like ready to go and then it doesn't come and then he just builds. And that's the, what, what I was trying to express most of all was how much like, you know, I was like getting crazy waiting on this stunt, you know, and that it was it was funny because I've not I was never like that. I was never one, you know, to talk, you know, smack or anything like that. Like I said, Tunch was always a smack talker uh, of our offensive line. And you know, but but that, but that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, every once in a while, you get you get that moment, and you know, and like you said, I think you put I think you put it perfectly. Every once in a while, you need to holler at the moon, right? Yep, the Lion King you, moment. Yeah, you you got you got to have that moment where it's like, you know what? <clears throat> I did that, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and and I feel good about doing that. Exactly. Not, not only that, I want you, the guy that I just hit. I want you to remember that I did. I that. I want you to know that I did that. <laughs> I want to look in. I want to look in the windows of your soul right now, <laughs> and let you know. That yes, I did. That. I was the one, you, you know. I was the rabbit that got the gun, right? You know what I'm saying? Like I was the one. Yes. That I was the wascally rabbit that that deterred you, Elmer Fudd. And I will not be denied. And you, will, you will know who I am. No, it, it, and and that that's and that's what I love about this game, right? I mean, yeah. you can't you can't summate that any better because it's something that has to be almost lived. And I thought you did a great job of of talking through it, right, and feeling the emotion and getting it to crescendo to where people are on the edge of the seat. You know, as I've listened to it, I'm like, man, I hope he, I hope he gets this, I hope he gets this, man, this me game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, <laughs> exactly. I was like, this, this is going to be a terrible story if he gets ear holes. <laughs> well. And, like, I could, cussed out the game. <laughs> I could, yeah, I could, I could do some of those where, yeah, we built up to that moment, and guess what happened? The moment arrived, and I didn't. <laughs> Jumped off the diving board, forgot yeah. to check how deep the water was. <laughs> ouch, ouch, ouch. It's like, ah, that's concrete. Yeah. Just wondered how that felt. Oh, that's going to that's leave a mark, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Trainer, just be ready. <laughs> Trainer ice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Coming, in, coming to the sideline hot this time, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. All right, well, that was awesome, and that can be found – Anywhere that podcasts can be downloaded, it's called The Wolfcast. That's right, with Craig Wolfley, and you could be regaled with even more tales. Or if you want to relive that exact one, that is on there as well. Oh, that's so awesome to hear, Wolf. Well, we're going to step aside, and this is your segment next up. So we'll be back with more inside the locker room here on Fox Sports Pittsburgh and SNR Radio. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on Fox Sports Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, a lot of thought, you know, a lot of analysis goes into making those decisions. And uh, so we'll, you know, we'll be working on that as well as you know, all the other things we have to do in the offseason. But, uh, you know, that'll be a, a key decision as we get uh, closer to uh, the draft in May. 
And certainly one of the things that they've got to consider is, you know, getting the extension for Najee Harris, who, you know, I know there's a there's some mixed reviews here, but you got to look at a guy that has produced like he has. Again, availability being one of the best abilities and his ability to accumulate over 1,000-yard rushing. I mean, for crying out loud, what, three straight seasons? I don't think any other, any other Steelers done that. And his ability with Jalen Warren to combine two guys over a thousand yards in in uh, scrimmage yards—that's that's a productive backfield, Max. That's a highly productive backfield, and like you said, every year he's been in the league, that's all he's done because he's only been in the league three years. So right. when we look at the sample size of three three years bodies of work, you can't point to a down year. You can't. He's dependable, and whether you like how fast or slow he comes out the gates at the beginning of the year, you can't argue the results by the end of the year. And I think that's a key trait when you're thinking about, okay, how do we value a running back in this league? How do we evaluate it? He, he All the metrics are there. The guy just gets the job done, and that's all you could say about him is that he's a doer. And, you know, in a league that says, what have you done for me lately? Well, here's what I've done lately, and here's what I've done consistently. It's consistently produced a, a winning effort every season that I've been in the league. And that's all you can leave it at. You know, the thing that I, I, I look at him and I see a guy that, number one, has been more powerful in his running than I anticipated when he first got here. I see a guy that um, is – you know, he's not the best cutback runner. That's not him. Uh, but I do see a guy that can hurdle. <laughs> I see a guy that can run through. I see a guy that picks up on third down rushers when he's employed in that. We know that he can catch the ball, which, you know, they they, they use Jalen more in that, that role of third down back, um, you know, as the season was on. But the two of them combined together really provide a nice one-two punch with one guy that is going to come right at you and test your chin and the other guy that's going to cut back and then test your chin. You know, I mean, that's uh, it's kind of um, – I know I, I really like the ability of the two guys working together to create a different sort of flavor when the run when the ball is snapped and, and the ball is handed off. Because with one guy, again, he's going to come right at you and challenge you right down to your core, and the other guy is going to do similar, but it's going to take a little bit of swervation before you catch up with him. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's that's what we talk about, the thunder and the lightning, the one-two punch. Right. You know, you need the varied styles to keep defenses honest, right? Because if you got two of the same type of guy, <clears throat> I only got a game play on once. But when I have a guy with different skill sets, with different traits, that's when I have to be on my P's and Q's. That's when – we take a little bit off of the main game plan because we have to have this sub game plan. And it's when this guy is in, when 30 is in versus when 22 is in. And when 18 is, is in in the ISO versus when 14 is the ISO. And when 88 is on the line and when he's broken off of the line in the slot. All of these things have to factor in. And when you have those two running backs and the whole menu's available to you as far as the run plays because neither one of them you know are limited from that perspective they just do it in a different way man that makes you so deadly and so lethal how many times have we see two running backs on the field at the same time wolf right no I mean, not since my days people yeah 
but we saw that in there. We saw split backs. We saw we saw lined up in the slot, motioning back in. Right. We saw a lot of different things. We saw three tight ends in in, in our in our personnel grouping as a regular personnel grouping, not just a short yardage and goal line situation. No, we saw that middle of the field situation and running and having success off of it, play actioning, having success off of it. So it, it, it's such a luxury when you have a run game because the run game allows you to do that. It allows you the flexibility to show run and throw pass or show run and then bludgeon you with run. <laughs> it's, 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 it's pick your poison. And I think even when we look at, you know, the two teams that won their conference, their respective conference championship games, you saw what a dedication and a commitment to the run game. Kansas City, it might not have been their nature because you got Patrick Mahomes. But guess what? Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Alaire ran the ball with authority. Right. And they ran it hard. And, you know, one of the things that um, I'm reminded of is a, is a phrase, and it was, uh, I believe Marv Levy said it. Um, and don't don't hold my feet to the fire on this. But he said, it's not about how many times you run. I mean, it's, it's not about how many yards you get every time you run. It's about how many times you run because you have to set a mindset in place. Right. And it might, and not every play is going to be four yards, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be one, two, three yards in a cloud of dust. But when you get to 20, 25, 30 r- rushes in a game, guess what? A defender is going to get tired of having to take on that block. Yes. And that's what that gives you. It gives you that versatility and it gives you the anonymity, which I love. I love a good balanced run game. And that's why it's always imperative, you know, that, that the Steelers keep that identity of a run team because it hurts people, especially when you talk about late in the year. No question about it, man. No question about it. Look, I think, I think we've got a nice complimentary one-two punch running game. There's no doubt in my mind. All, in, in, for an offensive coordinator to come in, and again, you know, I, I, I preferenced Arthur Smith just because of what he did with the Titans. And I know that there's some asterisks about that, but I, it seems to me that productively, any offense coordinator that comes in, you've already got a good, sound rushing attack that can be elevated even more so. And you got to develop that quarterback. But I, I love where we're sitting as far as that to, is going to be. One of the things I think that's going to be even it just as important, too, is the utilization and, and more targeting of the tight end position in the disbursement of, of targets. You know what I mean? I mean, Pat oh, Fryermuth, yeah. I, I watch I watch Travis Kelsey. He's great. There ain't no doubt about it. This guy is great. But I see a lot of similar elements between Kelsey and Fryermuth. No doubt in my mind what that this young man is capable of doing. Look, uh, he you know, he's still – he was one of uh, two tight ends. I can't remember who the other one was that, that had over 60, yard, uh, 60 receptions in the first two years. He was underutilized last year. There ain't no doubt. Even though, and, and let's remember, too, he was out for five games. But utiliz- utilization of the tight end position, primarily Fryermuth and what he's capable of doing in the passing game, has just got to be a huge thing for an incoming offensive coordinator, too. Yeah, you, you, you've, got, you've got to be earnest about your approach. Um, and, and that's, that's going to be key. And I think that's why you have to make sure that you bring the right guy in 
that understands that element and will appreciate the toys that are being given to them, right? <laughs> um, right. You know, because this is not a cupboard is bare and you got to revamp this and build this from the ground up. No, 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 no. This, this team has shown success and shown a propensity to run the football. Think about how it was after that Tennessee Titans game, Wolf, when that, when that run game was really finally settled. I mean, you're talking about clipping off 160-plus yards a game. Right. From a point where we could barely get above 100 early in the beginning of the season. And the clip that you could get Najee by the end of the season from a halfway point to over 1,000 yards – I mean, that's that's just phenomenal. So there's a lot of meat on the bone when you come here. And that's why this can't just be some any 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 old person's job. Like you need to have the credentials to earn this because you're getting you're getting handed, you know, keys to a Ferrari, so to speak. Right. Uh, with, with the weapons that you have. Think about this. You got two running backs. You have two, if not three, highly skilled receivers. You got two. Uh, tight ends that that catch a lot of balls and can catch a lot of balls and can be difference makers in games with a third one who's a massive human a massive humanity that was a rookie. Yeah, and you have an offensive line that has experience that has a first round uh, you know tackle sitting on this roster. However you want to deploy him, however you see the vision, and you've got good steady veterans. Maybe you need to bolster it a little bit, um, but it's not like you're coming in and you're getting the Carolina Panthers, <laughs> you know. Right out the gate, say, "Hey, here's a bunch of Legos. We don't have instructions, but I need you to build me the Death Star." <laughs> right? I mean, we're not, we're not, we're not getting that. Right, right. Um, you know, there is a blueprint. You do have pieces to really build around and really take the jump to the next level. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Exactly. So, all right, I think that's a wrap on the second, the second segment here uh, in the locker room, which means that the bell lap is coming up next. And that would, of course, be my partner, Max Sarks, coming up. Be back after this. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on Fox Sports Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I'll just say this. We, you know, we won Cam on our team this year and maybe going forward. Uh, he's as solid of an individual in the locker room as you could ever want. And, and uh, that's valuable to us. And uh, unfortunately, he had some injuries to overcome this year. And hopefully he gets healthy and can come back really strong next year. Well, that was that was that was the uh, the commander in chief of the Steelers organization himself, Arun the second, talking about Cam Hayward, the leader, the player, um, <clears throat> and the qualities that he possesses. Wolf and you know, I mean, they, t- find, find me a better leader mm-hmm. um, for this squad, and there there is none. I mean, right. I think. When you look at who this captain, who's the captain? I mean, that's why you coined him the name that you did, right? Captain Cam. Right. Is because he leads and, you know, he has that Mike Tomlin-esque quality of leadership, right? Yes. Yep. You know, he wears that leadership position very well and just 
you know, I've been blessed and you've been blessed. I mean, you've seen Cam up and close and personal, um, you know, since day one. I, you know, was a locker, four lockers down from him when he came in day one. Right. And to watch his maturation, to watch his growth, and to watch the way that he plays and leads and just, you know, enthuses and excites this team um, is just phenomenal You're uh, to see that. Unquestionably so, Max. You're right on. Look, you you experienced him up close and personal. I remember when, when you first came back to start doing this show. We were walking out there, and Cam looks at you and he points. He goes, he goes, you were a pain in the butt back in the day, or something like that. You know, yeah. I mean, just the number of times you guys went at it. But the fact is, yes, you saw that and you experienced it. And one of the wonderful things about Cam, still, I think, is this. You know, even in is what 13 years now. This yeah, dead injury 13. he had this year, they say 12 weeks. What's he do? He comes back in six. High-level performers, his, this has been my experience, high-level performers like Cam traditionally heal quicker than, than us, uh, us other mere mortals. You know what I mean? Guys like that, they're just they're kind of special. For him to exhibit that same sort of thing in his 13th year when that could have, you know, you would expect that. I, I would expect that from him you know, in his fifth or sixth year or something like that, that regener- regenerative process, that ability to come back from injury. Are you kidding me? In, in in a 12-week injury, you come back in six weeks and you're still productive? I, I, I know that he's got a high, you know, cap hit, and however they work that out, because I'm not a bean counter, I can't figure that out at all. But I know this man's value is huge. And what he does in the community and in the locker room is also equally huge because you need the guys in that locker room that you point to and say, this is what it looks like to be successful. This is what it looks like to be that guy. This is what you do. Watch him, follow him, do what he does, and you'll be fine. That's the type of guy that he is, and his outreach to the community is just – it's just amazing to me. I can't even imagine that he couldn't that he would not win the Walter Payton Man of the Year with everything that he does. He is so deserving of it. So, yeah, I'm a fan of Captain Cam. Fact is, I think I'm one of many that are, are fans of Captain Cam. But the fact is that he's still capable of producing in the trenches, and that's the key. No, that that, that is the key because at the end of the day, it's about production. Right. 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 It's it's about what what effect can you have on the field. It's not just about, um, like you said, the intangible leadership qualities those are all qualifiers and those are all enhancements, but he's still devastating on the field. I mean, his long arm stab, oh, listen, if, 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 if you need, if you need any reference point, go watch Cordell Volson for the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. And, a, and ask him about Cam's long arm stab. <laughs> <laughs> or Quentin Nelson, which Jacoby Brissett, yeah. Brissett being the quarterback. You remember that one? Oh, absolutely, man. He, he, he will, he will sit you. He will sit you down. Oh, he weaponized the butt of Quentin Nelson, man. I mean, he drove Quentin Nelson right into Jacoby Brissett, who then hyperextended his knee because he had some 350-pound guard doing a lap dance on him and, and, and what he should have been doing, you know, the protection of the of the uh, quarterback. Yeah, exactly. It's one, it, listen, I always tell people this. Bench presses are great, and we're, we're about to be in combine season and, you know, a month from now. Right. I said, but a con- but but a bench press is only beneficial when you're on your back, <laughs> right? <laughs> or it helps you so get off the you ground. Really show it. 
Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, a, a push-up. But all those things result in things that you did not intend, right? Yeah. God gave you two feet to stand and walk on and run on. He did not intend for you to stay on your back to show off how strong you were um, on a football field. Right. So, you know, he is that great equalizer. And, and, and that's, that's also why you keep a Cam Hayward. Because you know that he, he gets in the minds of, of those that he's going against. The opponents fear him. They don't, want, they don't want to see him. I'm sure a lot of guys rejoice when they said, how many weeks is he out? Yeah. Oh, thank Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You might say a couple of our fathers tonight and light a candle and thank Jesus for that one. You know, little baby version uh, from Ricky Bobby. Um, but I think that's, that, that, that's what you want, man. And, and that's what I'm, I'm really excited because, you know, we talk about establishing the leadership protocol offensively. Right. You know, somebody has to step up and become that leader. We have that already built in. I mean, give me a better trio than Cam, Minka, and TJ. Oh, no. I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty solid stuff. You know, I mean, you look at that and you see these guys, uh, what what they do, what, what they represent on the field. That, that's pretty awesome. So, yeah, truly, I think um, it's good to hear that, they're, you know, they want him back. He wants to come back that he still can be productive. Um, this is a guy that uh, I, I think is going to end up with a gold jacket someday at the end of his career. No, I, I completely concur, and, and I believe that to be the truth as well. Um, his deeds, his skill, his ability, and at a position that's a lot tougher to get now. Well, if you also have to remember that, it's tough to get D tackles in – into the hall of fame right you know right mostly reserved to the edge pass rushers i mean hell look at we had what three this year that were finalists yeah between peppers freeney and allen how many d tackles do we have on that list Hmm. zero yep so you know when you look at that he's doing something that's very special that's only reserved for a warren sap type and aaron donald type he's in that same breath and category as those guys so i completely agree that yeah he he he's he's going he's going to make that jump, um, you know. They get a little fatigued seeing seeing all that black and gold up there in Canton. But I mean, don't put a Hall of Fame that close to Pittsburgh and expect us not to be frequent visitors. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I say this, you know, in in you know, total like really awe of the guy in in the sense of this in your thirteenth year, or twelve year. No, it was thirteen this year, right? If I if I'm 13. correct, yeah, I think it was yeah this year, yeah. yeah. So thirteenth year, when they tell you, listen, you uh, you know, you, you tore a groin, you're out twelve weeks, and you do it in, back in six weeks, I'm telling you, you still got it. You know, I don't know that yeah. I could have pulled off anything like that. No, I couldn't have pulled off anything like that in my twelfth year. You know, I mean, I you just you know yeah. how beat up you are. You know, and the fact was for him to be able to pull it together and come back from an injury like that again. And half the time that just tells me that he's still got more, more on the bone there. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's <laughs> ligaments and muscles and things that heal along the way. That was good. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I saw, I remember when the first time I saw him, I go, what are you doing? I go for crying out loud. You got two groins. What you, come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. God saw fit to bless you with the second one. You know, there you go. <laughs> But, but you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and what did he do? He went and, and proved you're right. Well, yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I mean, Cam, that, that that was great to hear from, 
you know, from our team president um, about the intentions, about the willingness and the want to, because that's a rare thing, man. Listen, remember there, there, there was an adage back in the day, Wolf, you know, you weren't negotiating past the age of 30 yeah, yeah. Um, with the team, and, and they were looking at you with the side eye. Yep. And so you have to be exceptional to earn that 30-plus year type of cachet. Like you said, in, in, in an era of counting of counting every coin and shekel, um, you know, the Steelers, you know, said, no, no, this guy's worth every penny. And we're going to make sure that, you know, as long as he as long as he wants to, we will have him back. So tremendous, tremendous news to hear about Cam and to look forward to that. And I'm sure I'll see Cam next week somewhere in Vegas, uh, you know, working on his on his post-secondary career. That's going to be delayed at least another year because uh, he will be in that broadcasting field. I think that's something that he really wants to do. Um, and he, and he'll have his pick of whatever he wants. He's good to do. at so it too, man. Beauty. Yeah, he is. You know, he yeah. is. I mean, and he sacrifices. Yeah. I mean, he'll do it. He'll, he'll do it in the room the night before a game. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Bring the little vanity light and hook up his phone. And he'll, he's not afraid to do that. And like you said, utilize all of his resources. So, no, I'm happy for him. And uh, I think with that, Wolf, it's a show. It's a show, We've buddy. We've done it. We've done it. We've done it. Last Tuesday uh, for, this, for this season. <laughs> Last Tuesday. You betcha. Yeah. So, we'll be back with more same black and gold channel, same black and gold time. This time tomorrow, bringing you more inside the locker room as we finish the bell week, right? I mean, not just a bell lap. It's I was going to say, week. Max, I mean, come on, you know? Hey, hey, hey I was going to get it in there. I was going to get it in there. But, uh, but yeah, it's it, it's it's fun. And like I said, man, I'm, I'm so appreciative, Wolf. And, you know, we've gotten a lot of love on social media. So, to everybody out there, thank you for enjoying our rants, raves, and opinions <laughs> throughout the season and taking this journey with us. We're, uh, we're so happy to be, to be broadcasting to you, so happy for everybody that enjoys the show. So with that, I will say, go make it a great day.